I just want to say it's now official. I am cool. <laughs> How great is that? And I haven't even used my new accessory. Check this out. Now, more about this later, but just so we're clear, right from the outset, this isn't mine. Okay, literally, this is not mine. But symbolically, this is not my quiver. This is Jesus' quiver. Is that cool? I was going to put it on as I came up, but then you'll think, oh, he's got a quiver. It's his quiver. This is not my quiver. I'm going to put it down. It's going to roll around and be distracting. But I'm going to... Otherwise, if I put it on, you'll think it's mine. This is... Have we all got that? Can I quiver? Whose quiver is this? Thank you. We move on. We put that there. They're very compliant at the moment. Uh, those of you who are online, you can't see. They are smiling as well. It's a happy Sunday. I reckon we've had so many bank holidays coming at us. We've got another one next month. It feels like the UK, we're basically shutting down after COVID. <laughs> anyway, uh, this morning, I want to continue, uh, well, open up our summer sermon series. But before we do that, I'm going to pray. I tell you why. I nearly sung myself hoarse, and I feel so jumbled up in the presence of God. You know, like when you encounter him, sometimes your emotions get jumbled up, joyful and happy, and then you start caring about what he cares about, and then you think about all the challenges people are facing. You feel quite, Andy used the word last week, discombobulated. It was like, <laughs> what does that mean? I think that means jumbled up inside. I feel jumbled up because I've just met the goodness of God this morning. And at the end of this meeting, I want you to be all jumbled up inside because you've met the goodness of God, yeah. the, the grace of God at work. You know, we we want to encounter God when we gather together. It isn't just a routine. Maybe it is a routine, but it's a routine that is serving us to encounter him. This is a tool to train our hearts. And my heart has met with God. And I've, I've got to stop talking. I've got to pray. Holy Spirit, Oh, it is wonderful to sing truth. Thank you, I've sung it with hundreds of people this morning. And those who are watching online, have, by faith we've sung it with you. So Holy Spirit, will you continue to stir us, help me to be clear, concise. And as we pray at the end of this message, fall on us. This picture of incest, right? something that is costly going up that smells good in the nostrils of God. I pray that our prayers and intercessions would be that, because we have met with you. Amen. Amen. If you're a regular here, you'd have picked up that we should be starting our new sermon series on gender and sexuality. We've been running at this for about six months now. But we've, as we've been journeying on that, what we were hoping to do is to equip everyone in this church to not just react to these issues, but to respond to them in a thought-through way that reflects what the Bible teaches. And as we've been wrestling through that as a team, we've done a huge amount of work, we've realized it's highly emotive. As soon as you start talking about this, people understandably are very impassioned. It quite quickly gets complex. Once you start taking, okay, we believe this, but then when you work that out into people's lives, it looks like this, and then we get strong emotions back again. It made us realize that getting the language right and the tone right is incredibly important because we don't actually want to score a massive home goal and end up talking about all the things that we're against rather than what we're for. And each time we engage in this and we do listening events and more equipping moments, there's this whole complex emotive people just so we've just realized we're going to postpone it for the moment because we just think at the moment for wisdom to get the language right, the tone right, and not score a home goal. 
Uh, the benefit of all of this is we've done a massive reservoir of knowledge and commitment. I have deep convictions now what I believe. I need to express that in a way that can take the whole church with us and be a blessing to the town of Reading and beyond. We just need a little bit more time. Now, if you stop and think about that, that will make perfect sense to you. And because we are wise pastors, uh, we're making sure. Now, through all that, thank you. One of you believes. Andre, that was Andre. I'm cool and wise. Let's keep this rolling. Thank you. Uh, so just to show we've postponed it, but what we're going to do in sense, we're going to relay the foundation of charismatic church life. Now, when we talk about that through this term, we're not talking about tongues and prophecy, although personally I highly value that. What we're talking about is the priesthood of all believers, that now it's not just one or two priests who now encounter God by the Holy Spirit. That is now available for all of us, and all of us need to be charismatic in that sense, not just the spectacular public gifts, but truly charismatic as a church. So although in our culture it's appropriate and diligent to plan, but actually you can plan God out of things. We want things interrupted. We want the Spirit of God breaking in at times. So we all think, wow, we didn't think of that, but we believe God is in this. That we're caught up with God's mission, which is essentially expressed through charismatic gifts being expressed. We need to relay that foundation because there's a lot of new people in the room. This is so important, this foundation. The youth are with us throughout this term because we make sure that the generation that's coming through have got this. And so that they're ready to take on uh, these great values that we hold as a church. So young people, we're delighted you're here with us. Uh, this is going to equip you the importance of charismatic church life. And it's not just whether you've got the gift of tongues or prophecy. It's that the, the church is an organic being that God is doing something through. That's who the church is. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, that Jesus has got his hands on the steering wheel of this church, not a planning team. As helpful as planning can be, there will be charismatic moments where God breaks in and we all feel, yeah, that's right, we didn't see that coming. We good for that? Yeah. That's this church, that, this, this term. So I'm going to start this series by reminding us what I said at Vision Sunday about Elisha and Jehoash firing victory arrows out. I'm hoping we'll see a forest of hands. Who remember that amazing preach by a wise and cool part? Not many of you. Can you please catch up on that? It's Vision Sunday is what God is saying to us this term. So please turn in your Bibles, we're going to revisit that moment about firing victory arrows out of this church. There's a prophetic mandate on us. We are going to fire victory arrows out. And to get the context of that, please listen to Vision Sunday in February. Romans 16, verses 1 to 6. Romans 16, will come up on the screen. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church of Sencria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs. She has been helpful to many and especially to me. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact... They once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them. And so are all the Gentile churches. Remember, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. That's why they're thankful, I guess. Also, give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend, Epenetus. I've been practicing that, and I think I pulled it off. Epenetus. We don't really know, but that works. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. 
Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Now, we just don't have time to read on, but please do read on in this chapter. And when you do, just look out and look for the terms of family, these family terms that are being used. Read through it and see the diversity of names of people being involved and the movement of people. That's what I want to pull out now. So just to help some of us, our New Testament times geography is a little bit shaky. I won't ask you to put your hands up. I know most people will. So here is, uh, so we've got Rome in Italy. This is the capital of the known world at the time. Sencria, that's the port that's very, very near Corinth. Remember, we spent 18 months looking at the book of 1 Corinthians. Sencria, that's right at the bottom of Greece and in that isthmus to the island, and then Ephesus is what we call modern-day Turkey, so Roman Asia, or the Roman province of Asia, is what we would call well, modern-day West Turkey. Is that all good? Now, what we need to remember is Paul is writing to the church in Rome, okay? He's writing to the church in Rome, so people are moving around. We've got Phoebe, she's from Sencria. So she, Phoebe, starts off, she's from Sencria which is just outside Corinth. If you read in Acts 18, all these characters are introduced to us. Now, here we have, first and foremost, obviously, we've now got a woman who is very important. She's been helpful to many people. She's a patron. She's helped people. She's a benefactress, most likely a businesswoman, most likely fairly wealthy, and she's been helpful to all sorts of people. Most likely, she's carrying the letter from, from wherever Paul is writing this to Rome, and she's going to Rome probably on a business trip. So Phoebe is now moved, being sent with a letter from Sencria. She's now going to Rome to carry Paul's writing to the church that he's not yet visited. Paul hasn't yet gotten to Rome. Our RSC3 have just finished 16 weeks in uh, the book of Romans. So if you're my RSC3 now, all the things I've posted this week, You've already seen, because that's my, what I've been thinking about this week. So we need to remember, Paul's never been to Rome. He's now writing to people. And he's saying, Phoebe is coming, carrying a letter, and she's a deaconess in the church. She is a servant in a local church now being sent, you could argue, on apostolic mission, mission from Sencria, carrying this important letter, going ahead of Paul, preparing the way for when he arrives at Rome. In verse 3, we see Pris Priscilla and Aquila. There's this amazing missionary couple. We first hear of them there. They've grown up on the port of the Black Sea. They were then in Rome, but in the great uh, persecution, they get kicked out of Rome. They then land in Corinth. They then meet Paul in Corinth. They're tent makers. They team up with him. When Paul, after 18 months, leaves Corinth, Priscilla and Aquila go with them to Ephesus. And in Ephesus, uh, they meet Apollos. Remember? Some of you look at me blank. I'm hopefully this is reminding you of your Bible and the stuff you read. So in Priscilla and Aquila, they're in uh, Ephesus. They meet Apollos. They equip him. He's an apostle teaching. Not quite right. They equip him. It's there. There's a riot. Maybe they, they did something in the riot in Ephesus that saved Paul's neck. We do not know. But everyone is grateful in Ephesus for them because they help Paul, who's the apostle to the Gentiles. Now they've gone from Ephesus. Now they're in Rome. That's amazing. And in Rome, they're opening up their home, and there's a church meeting in there. Isn't that amazing? Then we hear about Epinitus. I've put it in there, Epinitus. He's regarded to as the first convert in the, pro first convert in the province of West Asia. 
That is amazing. It must be from the household of Stephanus. That whole household, when they were saved, they were known as bringing service to the saints. So I'm guessing he's from there. But now he's gone from Corinth. He's also now in Rome. Remember, it's the center of the known world. There's a massive trade route either up through the islands uh, or around the, the very long route round on the mainland to and from Rome. There's loads of movement. And then we've got Mary. Mary was a very common name. But Mary, Paul knows when he's writing to church that this Mary in Rome works hard for the church. So, now, why am I telling you all this? Well, what I want us to note from this, first of all, that when you read through Romans 16, when Paul is writing to a church that he's not yet visited, he knows lots of people. He can do a roll call of names, and when he has a specific name, he's able to say a specific thing about them. Why is that? Because church is family. It's relationship. It's not a, an employee roll call. It actually, it's very warm, familiar terms that they're using. There's a real warmth there. And when you read through all of these greetings, I think there's something like 26 or 28 names in there. What we can see, eight or nine of those names are women. Women were active. They were honored. They were valued. They were bringing ministry into the life of the church such that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome and he can name high-ranking women, people who serve the church, whether high-ranking like Phoebe, obviously a businesswoman, using her knowledge, skills to bless and strengthen the people of God, or whether it's Mary, most likely a slave name, common name, who works hard for the church, puts the chairs out, whatever she's doing. It's, it's amazing. Paul, Paul knows them. You, we must note that there's warmth, they're known, the gender, and there's diversity. As you read on in that list, there's Jews and Gentiles amongst them. And that was part of the challenge in the church in Rome, how the Jews and the Gentiles sat together. But one thing was sure, they were united in Christ. They're just a bit scratchy. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? When the nations don't get on. And there's class there. When you read through them, there's people in, who have got... It seems either over large households or they've got wealth or they're part of a wealthy household or they're slave names. There's lots of slave names. So now we've got wealthy people and slaves all caught up in the family of God and commended and called out by the Apostle Paul. doesn't matter how much you've got in your bank, how much you've inherited or how much you've been able to make in Christ with family. It's really, really important. to You won't all know this because... you. You, you, not everyone's familiar with these names. It's tricky. And, but what I want us to see is there's movement. In the kingdom of God, there is movement. Now, why am I saying this? If you remember, right at the start, this is super clear. It's important to me. This quiver represents, this isn't my quiver. This is the king's. This is Jesus' quiver. And on Vision Sunday, I talked to us, if you remember... It was really about the bow. Do you remember when Scott drew the bow back? And I said, please don't fire an arrow. Please don't fire an arrow. Thankfully, he didn't fire an arrow. But it was all about the bow. It, it was all about shooting people to the nations. And we've done that to the Middle East, haven't we? we we've sent people to the Middle East and to Africa and out, out to, well, I can't say the name, to security. We sent lots of people last year. And we thought, this is the church through our eyes. We raised our bow from the, listen to the, it was a great message. Listen to it, it's great. It was, but it was lots about the bow. 
about how we're firing people out. And, and there's some more things we need to tell about this morning. But this morning's is much about the quiver. But we've got to think about the quiver as well. But first of all, let's talk about some more arrows that we'll be shooting out. We're going to shoot some more arrows out east into Reading, into the nation and the nations. Are you up for that? You find out who we're sending and you might have a bit of a gulp. First, can I have Dan? If you can come up very quickly, mate. We've got to be snappy now, man. You've got his fabulous legs. Bring those legs. Dan and Sarah, pick a mic. We will edit that out on the video. No one wants to see You're that You're the again. one that said fabulous legs. Dan, off we go. Three minutes. My name is Dan. Um, my wife, Sarah, is at home. We have three children, Isabel, Joe, and Max. Uh, we moved to Reading about six and a half years ago. We were living in South London, and we felt God speak to us quite clearly about leaving Reading. Um, it, it took God, he had to speak quite que- clearly to get us to come, and he did, and we did. So we obeyed and we came. Uh, about five and a half years ago, we were flying to see some friends on holiday through the Middle East. Uh, and I was sat on an aeroplane and just had this feeling that one day as I looked down to the nation that was below me, we would live there. Um, and I, the feeling was in five years' time, that's where we'd be. Uh, we're about six years on. I blame COVID for ruining time frames, but don't we all? Um, and this year we are packing up our house. Uh, we're pulling the kids out of school and we are going to move to the Middle East to uh, see the kingdom of God come there to at first join a really small international church and, and see what happens, hopefully to set up business in the same way we have here and see people come to know, through, come to know Jesus through business. Um, I just feel in the prophetic, actually, there is nothing special about us. I'm going to say it again, other than my wife, there's a lot special about her. But there is nothing special about us. We're just regular people who have come to know Jesus. And actually the Bible says that our lives are not our own anymore. So that when God speaks, we have to go. Um, I'm really excited. I'm nervous. Um, we were singing the song earlier about being uh, no longer slaves to fear. I've never really been afraid. Actually, I've not been set free from that, but I have been set free from pride. And I'm learning that I'm being set free from self-reliance as I quit my job, which provides for my family and trust God to provide for my family, to trust God to give my kids more than I had. I remember sleeping on the floor. I remember being hungry and said, God, I'm not letting that for my kids. Whereas actually, we're going we're gonna to leave that behind. Come September, I'll be up here and we'll be asking you to give up your Chinese takeaways for a couple of years and support us financially because actually that's how God uses That's family, right? But I'm saying, God, I'm going to leave my income behind and me being able to do it. I'm, I'm going to die to my self-reliance and we're going to go and be sent because that's what following Jesus is about. Great, Dan. Are you ready for another arrow? Who's it going to be? Tex and Emma. You've got a chair. Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, so, like Dan, um, Emma and I have been asking God, God, how do we, how do we live in obedience to you? Um, and Emma has just 
or somewhat recently finished a PhD. So we were in a natural stage of life to, to ask God, God, what does it mean to, to live in obedience to you? And in January, um, King's Church London, which is a New Frontiers church in London, as you'd imagine, uh, which is uh, four sites um, and a really diverse church. Um, they approached Sean just saying they've got a role that they think I could fit into. And that's kind of been the case over the last four or five months that Em and I have been then journeying, is this role at King's, uh, King's Church London a good fit for me? Um, so it is as a pastor overseeing youth work, but other various elements within church life. Um, so Emma and I have been journeying that. I've been journeying that with Sean uh, over the last four or five months. And Emma and I feel that this is the right call for us. It is the right thing for us to do in order to be uh, obedient to God and to be radical for Jesus um, for, our context, uh, for our context at the moment. Um, so Emma and I will be moving to London in September. Um, New Day uh, will be kind of my last uh, ROC thing. So New Day is our camp that we take young people to. Um, but yeah, so that is our move coming in September. I guess uh, just to add to that, I mean, if you don't know Tex and I particularly well, you know that Tex, uh, you might not know that Tex leads the youth work, probably more obvious, but I also lead um, our special needs kids ministry. Um, so we are really privileged that we have a separate group uh, that we run alongside our Kids Church 1 and Kids Church 2 groups for children with additional needs. And so I've been a part of sort of starting that up and um, and now we're kind of moving in. And I think we've just, I think we've, this whole idea of kind of letting go, someone had a picture for me about letting go and being able to leave. Um, and I think it feels like a strange time um, for us. And, and actually, when you think about it logically, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I've just finished uh, my course. I've just started a job. Um, we were looking at maybe buying a house and things. And it, it feels like a time in our lives where we'd expect to settle. But God is, uh, we feel really in this and leading us. And so we're trusting that when we put our hope in him, that he will lead us through all of that. And yeah, it doesn't make logical sense. But then sometimes steps of faith don't make logical sense. Um, and that we can really easily psych ourselves out and say, oh, no, we, we won't take that step. But we are choosing to follow where God is leading us and um, to, to let go of the things here and to step into a new church community. So. Tex and Emma, thank you. <laughs> Just one more. This is how church is supposed to be. Uh, full of joy, but also like, ooh, I want to throw up. That was me. One more arrow. One more arrow to fire out with faith, an arrow of victory, an arrow of victory. Sarah Horn. Hi, everyone. For those of you who may not know me, I'm Sarah. And uh, for the last 15 years, I've led the children's work. Oh, and I'm not going to manage it without crying, have I? <laughs> I've led the children's work in the church. It's been a huge, huge honor. And I love the children in our church, but also, like the others before me, been asking God, you know, what do I do next? And I wasn't looking for a job at all. I love my job. You know that if you know me. Um, but stuff happened, and a job description was literally given to me. Um, and it's being a Christian schools worker. And as I read the job description, I just felt in my spirit... I knew this was for me. 
Um, I, I don't come, I wasn't brought up in a family that went to church. I heard about Jesus at school. I went to a church school. So when I came to see you here and heard about Jesus, all the pieces felt, came together and I gave my life to Jesus. And so I am passionate mm. about telling unchurched children and young people about Jesus. And it, not more Sarah's, not that I'm great, but I want them to have my story. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home, but I, my heart was made tender to Jesus at school from those crazy Christians that came in. And I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what we want, isn't it? For, their, for the next generation who are going to be leading the church in 20 years' time. We want it full of children who've heard about Jesus at school as well. So it's something I'm passionate about. It's a huge laying down for me. And sometimes God asks us to lay stuff down that's really painful. But I am really excited about what I am going to be doing. And I know that my 20 and a half years we were here at the beginning, my, I've learned so much from Sean and Scott and the team and Chris and Giles and people like that. And it just feels like God is saying, so you've got to put on your big girl pants now and go out and lead the way you've seen others lead and be a blessing, hopefully, to the town. It's scary. I think, gosh, if the school's work in the town goes down the pan, it's my fault. It's quite scary. I mean, I'm not that important, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so that's, that's my news as well. And I didn't manage it without crying. Chris said I wouldn't. We, we do <laughs> tears. We, we, tears are important. You know, we're, yeah, look. So, how are you all? <laughs> A little bit of mechanics, because it's important, and then I have some reflections. So we are now advertising for a youth worker and a children's worker, and we want to make appointments by the end of May. And so we now are all going to put applications form out this week, contact the office as from tomorrow as far as I'm concerned. They will be in e-news, and we've got interviews planned for later in the month, 25th and 26th of May. The whole schedule is booked in, and that's what we do. So that's all the mechanics. It's up behind you. Move on from the mechanics. Right, so... What are our reflections? I knew text was processing that with me. I knew that Dan and Sarah are moving on. Monday, uh, I talked to Sarah on the phone. Uh, actually, Scott phoned me. Sarah's just resigned to me. They've just had several hours together. So Monday lunchtime. So I've had a little bit longer to process Sarah uh, than many of you. And just so you know, if you're looking in and this feels indulgent, we're a church family, unashamedly so. Uh, and these people have brought huge contributions to us. Uh, and we're okay giving some time over to understand that what's going on, that Jesus is building his church. So, so if you're a visitor, I'm sorry it's an unusual morning. We don't often have it. It's not, not indulgent. This is how we roll as a church family. These things matter to us. So just otherwise you might be thinking, what are they like here? We do preach the Bible more thoroughly than I'm doing. But it, it's, yeah, stop. First of all, quick comment about change. Change is both unsettling, I felt like throwing up on Monday and just going home and crying and hiding because doing church without Sarah just feels not wrong, but I've not imagined that before. It, it, yes, yeah, so initially unsettling, now I'm genuinely excited. Genuinely excited about firing Sarah into Reading 
uh, and let it uh, get into work. So generally, so changes on settling and excited. Give yourself time. For some of you, you're thinking, no problem, you haven't got kids, you haven't got youth. Those things are less important to you. Cool. If your children got additional needs, set, uh, uh, to have Emma move on is a big deal. It's a big deal. But I get for some of you, it's business as normal. For our family, we're saying this is a big moment for us as a family. And so, okay, change is happening, it's unsettling, but it is also hugely exciting. One of the things I've been praying about, and I felt that God has spoken to me clearly, is it feels like our church is like a, a lake. Now, a lake can either be closed or open. If it's closed, it, the geographer's in the room, going to big you up now. I remember it from my school geography. If the lake is closed, water flows into it, but the problem is if it doesn't flow out, the salinity of the water increases, and so actually the lake dies and it can't support its environment. The classic example is the Dead Sea. If water flows in, there's only evaporation, the salt's left, you can't drink the water, the whole area is barren, it's a desert. What you want to be is a lake that is uh, open, so water flows in and water flows out. You don't want it all flowing out, otherwise you don't even get a pond, you've got a dribble. It's, it's, it's just a nuisance. Uh, actually, what you really want is a lake that flows in and flows out, and it keeps the water fresh and life, but it flows through. And it feels as if in this season that Jesus is ensuring that certainly from many respects, that your, your money's like that. If you just hold on to your money, you think you're doing well by storing it all up. It just makes you salty, and everything dies in you and around you, because that's not how money works. And leadership lake in our church is like that as well. The leadership reservoir in our lake, we went for a season where our outflow was pretty small and it made us feel epic. The danger of that is that we all get lazy and it feels like dead men and women's shoes. That you can't fill a slot until people move on. For whatever reason, Jesus decided to open a massive gaping hole in the side of our large reservoir of leadership in the church. So we've sent out trustees like the boxers, and then Betts and Elder, and then Dan and Sarah. They would have been uh, deacons if we didn't know of their plans. And we've got established deacons like Sarah and Tex and Emma. You're thinking, Jesus, you are definitely sending on. We are going to be a mightily living puddle of water. I know it's his church. I want to say again, this is his quiver. It's not ours. I'm deliberately not wearing this, so you do not think this is my church. I never use that language. The elders never use that language. This is Jesus' church. This is his quiver. If he fires arrows out, cool. We've got to make sure he puts arrows back in. I'll be honest, we do need some arrows in this. We've got, still got a good set, haven't we? We're doing all right. I'm just saying, we do need some arrows here. He's going to restock his quiver. And we're believing he's going to do it this term as we recover charismatic church life. That's what he does. He gives the gifts that the church needs. It's not just about tongues and prophecy. It's often people. And the truth of the matter is those gifts are already in the room. I believe that in my spirit. I'm believing that through the month of May, numbers of you, I'm inviting you to do this, are going to email me or the other elders with potential deacons that are already at work in the church but not recognized, and future elders. Future elders, future deacons, these are people already in this church family who have been sent to this family as we've sent people out. They have flowed in 
Or maybe they've been in our pool for some time and their circumstances have changed and their availabilities have changed and their appetites have changed and now they're going to be put into this leadership quiver that is Jesus's so that this church will always have the arrows ready to fire out. We're not always going to fire east. That was the context of the story. As it happens, all the arrows of day are going east into Whitley, into London and into the Middle East. Cool. But I'm reckoning Jesus wants us to go north, south, east and west as well. But let's not fire all the arrows. No one else can resign. No one else can. I'm done. I've got a lot of faith. I'm done. Okay? I'm just done. Yeah, I'm just done. No more resignations. I'm going nowhere. Please. We've all signed. So Jesus is building his church. So what we're going to do now, very quickly, we're going to pray. We are going to pray. That's all we can do. First of all, we're going to pray. The Bible says this. We reap what we sow. We are sowing big in the leadership reservoir of our church. I am believing we're going to sow. I'm believing there are massive leadership gifts that just what we need. We're going to pray for that in a moment. I'm also believing the measure we use, generosity, faith, is what we're going to receive back. As we send quality people, we may have to develop leaders into how we operate here, but that's part of what we do. They bring their contributions, they pick up ours, and maybe we send them off in about 20 years' time when I've finally retired. But that's what we're going to pray for. It's Jesus. It's his church. He's not. Fa- I felt sick on Monday. He didn't. Sarah's crying now. He's not. He's compassionate towards her. But she's supposed to be obedient. She's not looking for more of the same in her 50s. If you're in your 50s or 60s here, learn from Sarah. We're not coasting in trying to go for pleasure. She's radically going for Jesus. And we are happily in our 50s, Sarah, aren't we? We want to go against this whole nonsense of ageism when you're in your 60s and 70s and late 50s. You're written off because it's all the youngsters. They've got, definitely got the energy, for sure. But we're looking like Pastor Mick over there. We've got some wisdom in the room, haven't we, Uncle Mick? <laughs> we have, Mick. We have, yeah. I'm just saying, so we're going to pray. We reap what we sow. And the measure we use, the measure will be used to us. So we're going to pray. So first of all, if I can have the Rogers, the Chetia, and Sarah Horn. If you can all bounce back up here so we can see you. Dan, if you can get your lovely legs back up here. Tex and Emma and Sarah. So in a, this is how we're going to pray all together. We're all going to stand. And then we're all going to pray for these families as they go. We're going to pray at the very least for an increased measure of faith. That they've had intimacy in their devotional, in their prayer life. They would know Jesus. Not get so locked into task that they stop advancing on their knees. We're an activist church, which is great, but we need to move forward in prayer, first and foremost. So they've got to know Jesus in the business of life. They've got to prove that now. So let's pray for their faith, for intimacy, and great joy. We are a great church. We're flawed, but we're a great church. I want to know joy as we fire them out. So we're going to pray for that, and then there's going to be some specific things we're going to pray for here. Is that good? Now, I know many of you now want to swamp them, lay hands on them, but for whole numbers of reasons, we're not going to do that now catch them at the end we'd much rather gather around them but it's going to be messy with this many people so i'm sorry for the formality let's have a burst of print out we're going to pray all together out loud at the same time it will be distracting for some others love the noise but we're going to pray now or pray how you do if you're not yet a christian just watch us trust god in these moments for us let's have a few minutes prayer now let's pray father i want to pray oh god for your grace to abound upon them all we bless you in the mighty name of jesus We bless you, we commission you in Jesus' name.